You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. News team, assemble! And bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, we are back. It is time for another edition of the unofficial 40 podcast with the entire crew in tow. Uh, we're... Doing things of a technical nature continue to uh, baffle some, including myself from time to time. But, uh, hey, it happens. Uh, we are all separated today uh, out of an abundance of caution. Uh, there was uh, no names mentioned until they mentioned it. I don't know if anybody's mentioned it, if the person's mentioned it. But uh, there was a COVID scare in the press box, uh, which I'm sure has a lot of people out there saying, you need to get rid of the media. They're gonna get us. They're gonna get us in trouble. We were in a press box. No one was near us. Or except just get us. rid of testing altogether. Uh, that is Eddie Radosovich, who is uh, on a new microphone that I bought for him. That uh, he figured out how to plug in and put together, uh, and then he figured out how to turn himself off. But then he could not figure out how to turn himself back on. But we've got that. I read through the manual. I got it all figured out. So you're good to go. A little personal information. I can turn myself I, on and off all the time. I, I was fixing to say, I, I'm guessing Eddie has no problem turning himself on. I think he's ready to roll. Uh, and then there is uh, there is Bob Prisbello, uh, who is on the other end of the spectrum. Um, went to great lengths to go and get new equipment and get it to your house that is out there in the middle of nowhere. It's hey. not like going to Houston. Uh, just, you know, it's a little bit of a haul. Like... Who thinks to live out there, Bob? Really? I guess a lot of people do, and you got a nice lake and all that. But I won't give too much out. Very easy drive to campus. It is. Yeah, I guess that is. Yeah, Yeah, you're the one that lives out in the middle of nowhere, Gary. What the f are you talking about? I I live on Porter. I live on Porter. I. It's easier (laughs) to get to campus from my house than it is to get from Bob's house. I guarantee. We'll race. We will race, motherfucker. We'll do it. (laughs) Wait. Well, I, I lived in Norman like, for four years and never over, saw that side of town. Getting over to Bob's uh, side of town is like it, there is no easy way to get over. Yes, there. exactly. You just gotta no you just way. gotta be able to be in that area. At least you don't live in that neighborhood off of Highway Nine, like above the Postal Center. Like that would that's the worst neighborhood to get to in all of Norman. Okay, that was my guess. I've never been to Bob's house, and I was like, is that what he's talking about? That was that was the. The area I was guessing that maybe we were talking about. That's where I thought he lived at first, because I think it shares it. I don't know. Anyway, but, um, yeah, and, and I was relieved when I found out you live where, because I can get, at, anyway. So I drop off his box of, uh, by the way, did how, how did Pearl like her uh, quick trip uh, um, swag? You know what she's like so much so far is the ice cream cone that's not real. Right. Josh's girls <laughs> love is, that thing, too. She is loving the ice cream cone. 
Uh, now, does she try to eat it? Is it is it a is yes, it a possible choking hazard? <laughs> okay, great, good, good. She's like, it's an ice cream cone. You're supposed to be able to eat this. This is supposed to be good. What's going on Dad, this, here? This is planet bullshit right here, Dad. Uh, and I imagine I I scored some brownie points with the wife with the uh, the uh, McAllister's tea, uh, yes, permanent tea thing. Tea like crazy for a month. Yes. Oh. So, uh, but I also dropped off some mic equipment, uh, so Bob didn't sound like he's sounding right now, uh, but he had laptop <laughs> issues. My, I don't know what's wrong with it. It's just every time you shut it down, it takes about an hour to start back up. Bob, now, okay, you how old that is we, that computer, Bob? Bob, you know we buy laptops like they're candy around here. You can just ask for one. I can get them dirt cheap. <laughs> We will get you a new laptop that actually turns on. Like, Bob's got to turn it on two hours before the game starts, so it's ready to run like at kickoff. That's just... halfway true sometimes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I'll get there at 4 for a 6 p.m. kick because it needs a good 30 minutes. Kick it back <laughs> oh up. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. All right. Good like God. I will on Saturday. It'll be the exact same way. We're gonna have to clear this with Tiffany, but we need to get you a new computer, Bob. So you know, we'll we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah, I was worried about. You know, I just randomly. I put things in sleep too much. I think the laptop is in sleep mode a lot. It's probably because it's never plugged in. Anyway, this is a this is a fruitless discussion. This is awesome. This is a great Um, start. No. uh, so anyway, yeah, Bob sounds like he does because he hasn't figured out technology yet. So uh, we'll get that fixed. That's uh, pretty good over here to me. Well, I mean, he sounds fine to me, but people, you know, complain about everything with the pod. I mean, I never, I never hear the the Josh uh, the pop audio problems either. Yeah, though. I don't so, know. It, I can only hear it in my car, like if I've, if I've got it jacked pretty loud. Like that's the only time I pick up on it. So basically, the deaf people are complaining. Like my dad. Like people who have to sit next to my dad watching television hate my dad. He has to watch television with subtitles now because my mom makes him. And it drives me insane when I go to their house. You think Helen Keller would have used subtitles? (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, okay. uh, First official home game where OU can handle, uh, bring in recruits. Um, So... Obviously, Malachi Nelson tweeted out uh, something that got people excited this morning. Josh, let's just lay it all down before we get into team stuff, uh, because you might have to bolt a little bit early. Let's 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 make recruiting the focus here early, uh, and tell us about the the first official visit weekend for Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, and obviously to avoid any confusion, Malachi is an unofficial visitor. Oklahoma can't bring him in. Twenty twenty three guy, but. Great to have him back, and I know that's something he talked to Eddie about when he was out there. This has been a plan of the his and his families for a while to come out, get another look, be there on a game week, and it, it's you know obviously it's a night kick, so it can work for the California flights. As as a guy having to go out there and watch Malachi and Relique and some of these other guys getting back to the Central Time Zone in time for a kickoff can be really tricky. So um, yeah, he, he'll be there. The the other big one, um, you know, as far as official visits, uh, Demetrius Hunter will be there. Jason Llewellyn will be there. Jacob Sexton will be there. Obviously, all three committed, you know, four-star guys. Definitely like to have them on campus. The other official visitor that will be there, and I've been able to confirm this, is Gabe Dendy. 
the Rivals 100 defensive lineman, you could argue about as important as any recruit Oklahoma has left in the 2022 class. This is going to be their last shot before he decides, in my opinion, unless something just drastically changes. So Oklahoma getting him on campus, getting his family there, uh, I, I think this will this will be the moment we know. I, I maybe maybe Sunday, you know, and I, I still think he's going to return to Texas A and M at some point. That's still his plan, to my understanding. Um, but maybe Sunday, you walk away with a pretty good idea of what's going to happen, and you know, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. We'll, we'll kind of have to see. But going into the visit, I feel like Oklahoma leads. They should only have reason to build that lead, solidify where they are, all of those things you're looking for. So this is this is a big weekend. It's it's weird to think of a, a weekend with Western Carolina as your big you know, as a big moment in your recruiting, but I think not only having Malachi there, but obviously Gabe Dendy and trying to further solidify that that defensive line class that I think could be very good if they can close on a few guys down the stretch here. Josh, when it comes to Dindy in this weekend, is that just the way his schedule lined up? Or was this Lincoln and Calvin thinking maybe on a game weekend like this, it might be easier to bring in a top kid like Gabe? Well, the the this is a great deal for Oklahoma because this is an off weekend. He gets to come in on uh, – I'm sorry. Uh, no, I, I, I'm misreading his schedule. <laughs> I said it, and I was like, wait a second, that's not right. But, no, it's it's just being the late kick. They, they okay. He'll come in first thing Saturday morning. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a game that, um, you know, it, a lot of times when you schedule these things, teams like to schedule guys, you know, when they're going to – they're not playing the big rival. They're not playing another top 10 team. You know, they get to kind of shut it down, start thinking about the visit, and they can kind of get into it. So I think there was some method to it. But again, like I've said for the last few pods, I think he's getting pretty close to a decision. So the timing of this could be perfect. We'll see what happens. But I think if Oklahoma would have tried to wait uh, deeper, in, you know, like October 1st is actually going to be his his first off week of the season. And then the next one's not until November. So I think if you'd have waited to those, you're running some risk. Maybe, maybe you don't get in that official visit. Now, I, you know, I don't see him deciding without taking an official to OU. But again, you just, you don't want to give yourself a reason to lose over something you could have, you could have avoided. Keep going, Bob. You're welcome. Take it over. Do you think Malachi Nelson can have any role with with Dindy, or is that just a too too big of a stretch to say? Um, I think it'll be interesting because I think their personalities could match pretty well. They're both pretty reserved, kind of low key guys. I mean, funny on their own terms, but not like the goof, you know, big ham kind of guy that's got to be the center of the tension. Neither neither of them really operate that way. So I think if if you can get them to spend some time around each other, I think their families could probably work pretty well as far as just having, um, like I said, familiar ideals, familiar things that, that are going to work, even though they're from obviously vastly different areas of the country. I think you can find some things that fit there. But like I've said for a while, I don't think OU has to really win over his parents, uh, Gabe Dindy's parents. I think... They know what they want him to do, which is, uh, again, why the whole, well, his family's going to be in College Station. 
I don't think that matters as much as everybody thinks it does when you're when your family's pretty clearly on the other side of the ball. So we'll see. I mean, may, maybe you know if it's just Gabe's decision and he wants to go to A and M, then that's the way that goes. But I I just I don't think that's going to be the big issue. But it can't hurt. I mean, Malachi Nelson. When I talk to people, I, I you know, and I'm sure we'll get into my trip to Florida in a little bit, but. You know, when I talked to Brandon Ennis last week, I mean, he talked about the relationship he's built with Malachi Nelson, how they're, you know, really kind of working together to recruit multiple guys from around the country. And that is, I mean, you know, I talked to, I remember when he committed, I talked to some of the coaches at Los Al, and there was absolutely a feeling that this guy is not the big in front of you kind of Caleb Williams type of recruiter, but low-key guys really like him. And he, he does a lot better sitting down and talking with guys and really connecting with them than I think some people expect. And then the last Dindy question would be, any idea when he would go back to College Station? Do you think it would be later this month? That is, that is my expectation. I'd have to look at uh, Texas A&M's schedule and see what that looks like. I'm trying to pull it up here real quick. Um, but I... I you know, you look at it. They've okay. So yeah, I mean, they're they're there's they're home next week to New Mexico, but that's an 11 a.m. kick. That's going to be a real tight squeeze, even from Florida. Um, so I mean, that's possible. But then after that, your next available is Mississippi State in you know early October, which, like I said, would be his off weekend. So you know, maybe that's what A&M shooting for. And I've said I I think that's about the timeline you're looking at as far as the decision goes. But if he waits till October and then takes that A and M trip, man, you know it, you can feel as good as you want if you're an OU fan. But that's that's got to be concerning for him to delay it that long. Um, but we'll we'll see. Like I said, I, I just don't know that side of the story that well. But again, like I said, where OU stands now, I like. But we'll maybe after this weekend, we'll have a little more definitive picture. I'm, there we go. I'm pretending. Do you like want to go into I'm Josh's not doing trip now? business? Uh, yeah, let's do it. I mean, Josh, you went out to uh, Florida um, and uh, saw Brandon Ennis along with some others. Um, how'd that go? <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's why you make the big bucks right there. I'm uh, sorry, no. I'm doing sponsorship stuff that has no, to be done no. by the time we're done. Party. Put it away! <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to make us money. I fixed today. This is the shit I hound you about. So you you just go right ahead. I'll I'll, I'll keep us busy. Um, but no, um, yeah, had a chance to see a, a really uh, just an awesome kind of South Florida matchup. And one of my favorite things going around the country is just seeing how different it all is. I mean, this was two of the top programs in South Florida. Shamanade Madonna is coming off three state, uh, excuse me, three straight state titles. Uh, American Heritage has won four of the last seven in their class in Florida. So, I mean, these are big-time private schools in South Florida. And, uh, you know, American Heritage obviously has Brandon Ennis, uh, number one wide receiver in class of 2023, already committed to Oklahoma. Uh, they also have Marvin Jones Jr., who I had a chance to really talk with his mom kind of throughout the course of the game. She is a kind of, you know, the the team photographer, I guess, for lack of a better way to say it. So she's down there shooting pictures and hanging out. And so I got to talk with her a little bit. And, you know, they're they're still excited about their official visit they're going to take um, yeah, here in a couple of weeks for the Nebraska game. 
So there is a, a lot going on. And then you throw in on Chaminade Madonna, Kenyatta Jackson, who I would say maybe after Gabe Dindy and Gentry Williams, maybe Oklahoma's most realistic chance at yet another elite defender in this class. So, uh, you know, just getting a feel for all those guys, getting a much better understanding of where they are as players. Brandon Ennis reminds me a lot of Sterling Shepard with a little more, little more burst. Um, you know, same kind of frame, same kind of body, very quick, very explosive in and out of his cuts. Um, but really, you can tell in the few chances he had to get upfield, man, he can really go and uh, just, uh, again, just a natural route runner. There's, there's no question he is worthy of all the hype. I mean, he is a big-time, you know, top 15 guy in the country. You can kind of split hairs once you get to that level, but he's a big-time dude. And came away just, you know, I, I was very impressed talking to him. Uh, not a guy that I felt like just made this decision because it was the fun thing to do. I think he thought about it, really likes his relationship with the Oklahoma coaching staff, and that was enough. Uh, Marvin Jones Jr., I think Oklahoma's got a lot of work to do there. Uh, you know, I know uh, Jamar Kane has a good relationship with his mother, um, but just you can't ignore the fact that uh, Florida State had three coaches there, including Mike Norvell, uh, at the game on Friday night. They are making him absolutely a priority. They will get his last official visit. And, you know, his mom kind of played that off. As soon as she kind of was, ta- you know, we were talking about the officials. She goes, I don't know how it worked out that way. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I, you probably do know how it worked out that way. But that's that's fine. I mean, they're they're the prohibited favorite in this, and we will have to see how that goes. But I think they, they would definitely be where I would put my money now. Sorry, knocked a cup over as I'm, I'm talking with my hands. Um and finally, Kenyatta Jackson. Um, I, I thought he is a very different player than I had in my head. I had him as a as probably the bigger of the two defenders we're talking about between him and Marvin Jones Jr., but he's a leaner guy. Looks a lot like Clayton Smith did last year. I, I, I was a little surprised with his physical makeup, but, man, he's tough. I, really, in a game that was crazy and wild, and I won't get into all that because, frankly, nobody cares about the game itself. You know, Heritage did win late. But um, just a kid that left it all out there. I mean, he fought all game, had a big tackle for loss early in the game. Really, after that, Heritage did all they could to just kind of stay away from him, let him, you know, let him run past plays, let him do literally anything to keep him away from their ball carriers. So he is. Um, I, I liked him more after having a chance to see him in person. All three of those guys are no doubt rivals, 100 types. Uh, Marvin Jones Jr. may be a five-star. I think he is really elite. Um, but, yeah, the, the, again, not not that surprising that you go to South Florida and find, you know, four or five rivals, 100-type guys. And I'm, I'm not even telling. Like, there were multiple class of 2024 guys there that are power five players. I mean, there was just talent everywhere on that field. Who's Marvin Jones Sr.? Oh, now, the linebacker you, from the Seminoles back in the nineties from Florida State, the the, um, yeah. the badass. It was first round pick of the New York Jets. Yes. He was like number four overall. But I, mean, I, I thought it was, was somebody, but I wasn't mm-hmm. sure. Uh, I he, thought it was the, it was he, he played, he played like Charlie Ward era. Oh wow, yes. that long ago, huh? Wow. Yeah, that, that uh, Bob. I am convinced in my heart that Alvin Mack is based on Marvin Jones. Like I, yes. I, I believe There's that no in my soul. It. Yeah. Because you know what? He was I was a monster. I was so much younger when that happened, and I don't even know if you remember that Nebraska Florida State national championship game, Josh. Yeah. Do you? Me? Bob, oh yeah. Do you remember? yeah. Okay. 
I was always stunned that no one made a bigger deal out of the fact that that field goal almost went in from Nebraska at the end. Um, yeah. And it was a short I, field goal. Like, by today's standards, like, I remember watching yeah. that game. I guess college football kickers just sucked so bad they back in the day. terrible back then. Yeah, because it was like no one thought that they would make it. It was like a 38-yard field goal or something. Like, by today's standards... Like you would expect, like it would have been played up. Like here comes the game winner, but it was just, it was more like, oh, is Nebraska gonna have a miracle and make this kick? And then they missed it, and everybody was like, yeah, that's what we thought. Well, I just remember how being, many? I was so troubled by that, and it's like we've never talked about that as a society. <laughs> I mean, how how okay? What what is? Yeah, I mean, you know, society's first real problem is why weren't there better kickers in the nineties? But no, you know, how many national titles did, I mean, and, you know, Bobby Bowden, obviously, rest in peace, but how many national titles did he cost himself because he just couldn't find a kicker for, like, seven oh, yeah. years there? Well, no, they, they found kickers. They always found the number one kicker, but then he sucked. Except I remember he, the, it's all the Janikowski uh, juju, you know, they used yeah. it all up on one guy. Janikowski was so drunk that he just could not be bothered to miss a kick. He was like, whatever. I don't he even was, know where I am right now. Wasn't Janikowski the first date rape guy? Date rape drug guy? Oh, was he? Oh, has he been canceled? I missed that. No, I mean, like, back in the day when he was playing. I thought that was, like, oh. at Florida State, like, he was accused of doing that. And that was the first time I'd that. ever heard of, uh, what's the drug? Starts with an R. Roof. R- R- uh, Rufinin or whatever. It's Ru- called a Rufinol. Yeah, Rufinol. I can only hear the dude say it from uh, The Hangover. Yeah. The Mike Epps. I can, I can just hear him saying it. So, I don't know. I was just... I, I would never give that out to somebody. I'd take it myself. <laughs> <laughs> you roofied yourself. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I, I, I just... I wondered that question, and you've answered it. So, there we go. Um, outside of that, you you got any more recruiting you want to hit on, or uh, you want to go straight I, into the shit show? I had a question for, for for Josh. Yeah, could we know Kenyatta is you know the Buckeyes or the Sooners? When it comes to Ennis, any whispers of oh this might be a team to watch here going forward? Maybe not now, but they're still lurking, or he's still listening, and twenty twenty three is a long ways away. The answer is not going to surprise anybody, but Alabama. I mean, just because of their success in South Florida, their you know their production of wide receivers in recent years, uh, it makes sense. I mean, now again, talking to him, I I was very impressed with his answers. I didn't come away feeling like that was a guy that oh yeah, he's definitely going to look around. Now at the same time, I had similar feelings when I talked to Luther Burden. You know, like and I and at the same time, I said to Luther Burden, like guys, he's going to take visits. Uh, elite guys, that's just the way it goes. Like that's. That's going to happen. So anybody thinking Brandon Ennis or, you know, most of the guys that are committed in that class, probably Malachi accepted, probably Luke has accepted just being a local kid. Most nationally elite guys are going to take official visits to other schools, even if they are committed. If you prepare yourself for it, it's not going to upset you as much. So, I, you know, I, I think people just need to understand that. But I, I would say if there's any school that makes some sense and kind of, you know, you hear things. Alabama, I mean, because you know they're not going to go away. They they don't give a shit about that commitment. They don't care. They'll continue to recruit him, and they have plenty of leg to stand on. Besides just being Alabama, they've done a great job with receivers over the last four or five years. Man, I guess I guess we're all coming to the realization of 
just how well Alabama has recruited offensively. I mean, like you talk about a total sea change. Because I mean, they had a they had a guy here or there, but now it's just like every fucking player on that team is good. Oh, you mean them replacing thirty three percent of their offense and offensive coordinator and a uh, quarterback, <laughs> and then still putting up forty points against uh, Miami wasn't uh, wasn't a surprise to anybody. I'm not saying it's surprising. I'm just saying that you know they once were kind of a you know a team that played very conservatively. And uh, I no, you're right. Remember, you're right. I mean. All the stuff that Saban went through, like Lane Kiffin, kind of took the brunt of all that stuff. Like, sure, uh, of them going, you know, kind of pretty good offense over in Oxford too. Yeah, I mean, they look sharp. They really, and that quarterback is good. But anyway, uh, I'm trying not to get clickbaity right now. But no, I mean, it, it, it's a good segue into uh, the shit show that was last week. All right, taking a timeout to remind you guys that Dead Soxy is back with us once again. DeadSoxy.com. Uh, some of the best socks that you can get. Uh, we've been big fans. I know a lot of people out there in Sooner Scoop land have been supporting them, and that's why they're back. Uh, just signed a long-term deal with uh, Dead Soxy to be a part of the podcast uh, for a, a, a long while because uh, they love Oklahoma fans. They love the response that they've gotten uh, just from using the promo code BOOMER. Uh, getting 25% off your entire purchase. Uh, they've had uh, the crimson and cream colorways, but they're coming up with even more uh, because you guys have, have been so into what they've done. Uh, and this time of year, as hot as it is, I know, Eddie, you said you about died at the game uh, on mm. Saturday. The no-shows are just an essential for, for the weather right now. Carrie, my body was dying, but the one thing that felt great were my feet. It was because I had the no-shows on. Seriously, like I, I, I wore them too. The and one it's part fantastic. of my body that yeah. wasn't sweating through. I mean, it's like it. They're like putting little pillows on you know your feet. They're fantastic. Absolutely. So, and over the next couple of weeks, it's not going to get any cooler. Uh, I wish that wasn't the case, but not here in Oklahoma, especially with Oklahoma having a run of uh, three consecutive home games here. So uh, there's no better time to uh, to contact the people of Dead Socks. You get your no-show socks. Get ready for uh, the summer heat. You're probably going to have a couple more 11 a.m. games before it's all said and done. We know you're going to have one here in a couple weeks with Nebraska coming to town. So uh, just go ahead and go do it. DeadSoxy.com. Use that promo code BOOMER. Get 25% off your entire order. I think this week has mainly been like you go through Lincoln and Alex uh, Grinch's press conference yesterday, and they're they're kind of just doing what they're doing. They know that there's a firestorm, and they don't really have any answers to it. Uh, I mean, David Aguebu flat out said, "I wonder to myself, like, what's going wrong?" Uh, and you know, we spoke to Isaiah Thomas today, and he was a little bit more I don't know polished in talking about it. I think, uh, but. Really, all you can do if you're Lincoln Riley right now is work behind the scenes and fix it, knowing that people are just going to be kind of pissed right now. Fix it Tuesday and Wednesday, because I thought that was pretty glaring, that Riley and Grinch both mentioned positive and negative. There were signs of what was going to happen last Saturday because of last Tuesday and Wednesday. And for some of that was for the better, and some of it was obviously for the worse. So it's how... You manage Tuesday, Wednesday, how you respond, and give those coaches an idea of what's going to go on Saturday. And so it's it, – we're Tuesday and Wednesday are done with their practices since they practice in the morning. And so it's kind of curious to see if there's any sort of change in how they approach those couple of days. 
Carrie and I talked about it on the uh, postgame podcast, but I feel like there's over the last, I don't know, I mean, I guess coming out of Saturday, I feel like there's a lot of big picture questions kind of with the program right now. Just like, how how the f*** do you let it get to that point? Isn't that their job? And I, I appreciate the fact that Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch were able to talk about it and they stood up there and kind of took the hit on Tuesday. But at the same time, it's like, how, how do you let that happen? How do you let this group not play four quarters against a Tulane football team? I don't give a damn how many people are in the stands. It just I feel like stuff like that is small stuff that maybe we do kind of forget that Lincoln Riley is a pretty young coach uh, in the grand scheme of things. Maybe he doesn't know how to uh, to really kind of get this whole thing together. And again, right, it's like, kind of like we talked about on the postgame podcast. It's like there's not a whole lot of fear in that program of Lincoln Riley, and maybe he's just not able to execute it to that extent. I'm not saying that he should be fired. I'm not saying that anything drastic needs to happen, but hopefully it's a wake-up call for everybody within the program that uh, shit has to change. Like the, the 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 first and second half disparity that has become, you know, pretty evident over the last, uh, you know, really since 2017, uh, like it's time to talk about that now. They, they better kind of take ahead of that thing and, and get it changed well here's the eye-opening part for me is that there 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 can be no excuses like there's no excuses for why you didn't prepare the right way uh why you know you came out and, and were that flat on defense when we all believe that you're better than that uh sure. it, there's no excuse like well there was the uncertainty about where this game was going to be played shit i mean tulane was practicing one day in birmingham another day in tuscaloosa like and they came in and they came for that ass. I mean, they they flew around the football field like you expected Oklahoma to yes. fly around. Like they were ready to play that game, man, and they had a terrible week. Terrible. Josh, week. What, just as far as your thoughts on the game and everything, and Bob, you can throw some stuff in there as well because you weren't on the uh, the post game. It's just like what were your guys' main takeaways from uh, that cluster f- on Saturday? For me, you know, I, I honestly, it's one of those things where I feel like through the summer, and I, I know we did that kind of dark pod where everybody was like, "Holy shit, guys, it seems better than that." <laughs> I, I, I'm not. Oh God, I guess I'm not as overwhelmed right. by all of this. Wow. Wow. I'm not as overwhelmed by this, and I, I think some are because I mean, some of the flaws that you can see, the offensive line. Are people really surprised that there were some problems there? We knew that was going to be a bit of a question mark. Like, and anybody thinking like they were just going to roll out and look like 2017, it just that's crazy. That that's not what was going to happen. So I, that I, I guess I'm not as alarmist about it because I'm like, a these were known problems. Spencer Radler being terrible with his mechanics. I talked about that on the board last week. Like I was like, guys, you know, here I, I think I even talked about it in the in our pod. Uh, about something I was listening to Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks talk about, where they were talking about how sometimes he gets bad with his feet and he's lazy and he doesn't move around like he needs to and he bails out when he doesn't have to. Those were all things we saw on Saturday. Now, the offensive line, I can kind of explain away. Spencer Rattler, we'd heard, okay, he's made all these steps and he's improved and he's going to be a different guy. Man, that looked like the same dude to me. It looked worse in a lot of cases. I mean, that that's the part that's confusing to me. And... I we wondered, yeah. You know, I think we all did. All four of us wondered to some degree how would he deal with success, uh, you know. And people tell him, "Oh, you're the Heisman front runner, number one pick," and all these things, you know, that were just foregone conclusions for him. Uh, the first game didn't look great, but I, I mean, he's so talented. 
it can be made okay. It's not that this isn't a death nail or anything. It's just one of those things where he's going to have to decide to be to be the guy he can be rather than the guy he is. Does yeah. his body language bother you guys a ton? Yes, always, always. Yes. And I guess you can get away with that when you're throwing for 400 yards and not throwing two stupid interceptions. But it just – it kind of – it's one of those things that comes to the forefront. When you do play bad, that's like one of the first things that people pick at, is it not? It, it is. And my problem with it is, like, it always looks like when he's coming off the field, he's trying to make sure everyone that sees it Realizes this wasn't my fault. I didn't do this. Now, Lincoln Riley did say in the press conference that second pick was not him. That that, that was a bad route. That, that I mean, as bad as it looked, either Stogner was supposed to work vertical more than he did, or I, I don't know what the route problem was, but there was something wrong with that that whole um, – I'm sure it was, a, it was a read, and somebody read it wrong. So, I mean, I, I get that to a point. But the first one – that's just an awful decision. There, there's, there's no reason to do it. And again, he doesn't step into the throw. He just stands there basically like for people that can't, you know, haven't watched enough to really, he just stands there basically with his feet and his shoulders parallel and throws the ball down the field. He's immensely talented, but you can't do that. Yeah. It's yeah. A- and it's funny, you know, talking to him post game is like he truly felt he could make that happen. Despite the fact he didn't step into the throw or despite the fact that he had Eric Ray wide open in the flat, he was convinced that window was there to get it to Mims. Well, and it, you know, it it doesn't explain once again Mims in the second half and just disappearing. And yeah. it, it doesn't explain those numbers that uh, somebody posted on the board. I knew it was bad. That is shocking. Well, when your dad is on Twitter chirping a little bit, things aren't going going well. The thing I noticed with Spencer, it's like he's trying to play the role of a leader, but doesn't actually know how to be the leader. Hmm. He, Interesting. He gets, like, this is what he's supposed to be doing, but it's not carrying the same weight, or it's not connecting like the way it would with Baker, Kyler, even though Kyler was a much different leader than Baker or, or Jalen. It seems like he's he's trying to, like, okay, this is what leaders do, but he's not finding his own voice as to how he's going to lead. Yeah, but you know what, though, Bob? I think once you're making plays on the field, all that takes care of itself. I mean, he knows how to carry himself, but at some point you have to be the star of your offense for people to rally around you. So it's like, you know, it's kind of like, I I look at, like, I hate to say this because I don't want to pick on him, but, like, Justin Fields, you know, early in his career, like, I remember watching the Texas pregame. And remember, we were making a big thing about why do guys go out there with their shirts off? Like, you know, there's something like this is it looks so stupid that you suck in the secondary and you're walking oh, broils. around. Broils. Well, that, you mean broils. Okay. What did I say? Fields? God. No. <laughs> I almost it's made a weekly. It's, it's in the broils. drinking game. It's in the drinking game. <laughs> it's just Carrie's confusing Justin Fields for Justin Broyles. Um, oh, that's amazing. It's just in the drinking game now. Um, <laughs> No, but Broyles was, I mean, I remember the Texas game, and he was over there starting fights with people, and I was like, you don't even play. Like, you're not even good enough to do that. Like, you can't be that guy that doesn't do it on the field, but actually like he does on the sideline. It just never, it's never worked. 
But and I'm not saying that that's what's happening in the Rattler because he's better than that. He's the starter, but he's also the guy that has to lead them out of their offensive doldrums, and he hasn't done that yet. Hasn't done it yet. And again, this is something we've talked about. Like when when the moments get got bad with Baker or Kyler, and it, you know it kind of looked tight. Perfect example is that the OU Texas game when Texas had come all the way back, and then Baker walks out there and hits that strike to Mark Andrews and pretty much ends the game on that long touchdown throw, that kind of stuff, you're not seeing it from Baker, or uh, excuse me, from Spencer Rattler, is when it gets tough, it just seems like three and out, three and out, three and out. Like, there, there's no, like, okay, we're going to stem the tide here. We're going we're gonna to go on a drive. I'm going to make a couple of plays here. Even if you don't score, we took off six minutes on the clock. You know, we ate up some clock. Now, they did have one in the fourth quarter that I thought was a pretty nice drive, hit Stogner on a key third down. I mean, he made some plays on that drive but man there's just and some of this problem doesn't have anything to do with him they've got to figure out a way to stop kicking so many damn field goals like you're you're just not if you can't convert third downs against Tulane you're going to have massive problems against the kind of competition you expect to play it was not lost on me that Gabe Burkett's Burkett setting the school record for most field goals in a game was was that was going to be like the headline. Like it's so shitty that they broke the field goal record. Like that's a very ominous record to hold because basically means our offense sucked that day. You yeah, should not it, be it, kicking four field goals in a game. I mean, in a game that you never punted either, which is the bizarre thing. And, and you're not punting, I know, because you're kicking 56 yard field goals. But at the same time, Lincoln, I, and he admitted this much on Tuesday. Like, he he's got to do a better job at, at making calls and, and and fourth down calls and maybe not going for it as much. Yeah, it, it, it's Crash Davis, you know, winning the minor league home run record. Like, I mean, it's a kind of dubious honor to keep having to kick those kind of field goals from from a spot, you know, in the mid thirties. If you feel good about your run game, or you know, just in general about your offense, you're going to go for it there. I, I thought it was a. Kind of telling where they they feel that offense is right now. I think it's just kind of telling that after the third quarter, Brooks and Gray combined for 15 carries. I just don't think that's going to work. I know Lincoln kind of dismissed me a little bit, saying that it wasn't that big of an issue, and he's happy how they were playing off of each other. But I just, they're going to have to get more touches, and maybe it's because the offensive line isn't used to run blocking live since they never had to do it all through preseason camp i'm gonna tell you what uh this podcast today i I think ou is going to have a hell of a day saturday because all the bad juju has been in our podcast today shitty start uh eddie's been kicked off he says he's back are you back i'm back now okay yeah i'm back (laughs) my god i was just gonna say i I was gonna make a point about rattler and then my computer keeps crashing for some reason. Uh, I was just going to say, like, it, the problems that they're having now or the problems that I, I feel like they're having, it just now it keeps going back to, like, the QB1 thing. It's like, man, maybe he is, like, a little douche. You know, it's like, it, it's hard but to get But that's okay. Baker like was that. a douche, and, I mean, he yeah, was, but, he was but, a lovable douche, my, and he was, was successful. That's my other point, though, is, like, the one thing that we knew about Baker, though, is, like, he won everybody over in that yeah. 2015 right. without even stepping onto the field. Yeah, that's he, true. Like, and I, it, it, it kind of points to the, the fact of just like how special Baker was 
and the ability to rally his teammates and to get everybody behind him. But at the same time, it's like, man, like what what is missing there? Like I I, I found myself wondering, talking to some buddies this week, it's like, does the team, do they even like Spencer Rattler? And I know that's like a drastic, we're four quarters into the season, like take, but you know, I, I mean, I we, think that, let's face it. We could go full on Colin Coward, Baker Mayfield on Spencer Rattler. If we really wanted to do that, like sure. the whole, uh, you know, like you could play out the whole argument about, wow, how does that play in the locker room when the offense scored three points in the second half? And your starting quarterback launches a, an ad campaign with Champ Sports the next day. Yeah. Like, does that think of all the jealousy and, uh, you know, hard feelings that that creates in the locker room? Like, Which I'm I sure someone's going to grab out there. Someone's going to grab onto that take and run with it. Probably in the. Anyway. Um, it, it's definitely the worst take out there that, like, oh, well, all of a sudden the players. They just don't care about the season. They only care about the NIL. Oh, stuff. you're talking like, about the NIL take is the worst. Just take. anything. Yeah. Like it, it, it has been over the last four days since the game. It has been probably the biggest overreaction four quarters into a season that Agreed. at least I've seen in what the nine, 10 years that we've been doing this. You're talking about just the general reaction of the play or you're saying the NIL stuff is the biggest overreaction. I would say, like, option C, all of the above, the play, <laughs> yeah. on the field, uh, the coaches need to be fired. Like, everybody, I think everybody Caleb just Williams needs to be the starter now. Out, yeah, and that they were going to win by 60, and everybody wasn't, you know, nothing nothing bad was going to happen. And now it's like, you know, it's just, it's it's become exhausting almost to a certain extent, has it not? And it's, I mean, is there anybody that you've seen that was above reproach? Anybody that were like play, he played so well, I, I I'm good with what he did. I think Kennedy. I, don't Brooks, even, I think Kennedy Brooks. He just isn't even off the hook. He missed a 31 yarder, and I have people in my mentions like, well, he missed he missed a kick that could have cost him the game. It's like, what the yeah. f- does the other third three uh, kicks of 50 plus mean? What if he misses those? Uh, uh, agreed. Like the, there there were some good performances. There really were, but everybody is just like everything's bad. It's all bad. They're they're terrible. Guys, I mean, go watch that second quarter and tell me that's a bad football team. Like, I'm not yeah, saying can. they played that way the whole sure. time. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of ability here. It's got to be figured out. I'm, they're not anywhere near where they need to be because, God, we all saw Alabama just just run over Miami. But well, you, that, and that's there, what it there's is, signs gosh. of things to believe in. That, that's what it is, though, is it not? Everybody yeah. watched the OU game. They struggled, and then – they flipped the channel over to ABC or ESPN or whatever it was on, and they see basically a curb stomping publicly, and that's where Oklahoma fans want to be. They want to and be in Alabama. Texas. And sure. they saw what Texas did. Sure. I would and, say... The good, the good news is everything's correctable that happened on Saturday. Agreed. It's very correctable. Yeah. And and back to your, your point of you know who can say they came out of it well, I, I can find two people for you. I think Kennedy Brooks is one. Yep, uh, and I think Jalen Redman is the other because we just didn't know what to expect, and he Which made a lot is of funny. plays. Those are the two guys that are playing in their first games in over a they year. They both sat out last year, yeah. <laughs> which which probably says not? something about Billy every. Bowman was terrific. Yeah, he was very good. He could have mm-hmm. had an interception though that he dropped as a guy that was supposed to you know be able to play on both sides of the ball. You don't like seeing that. Uh, 
But it was weird. Like, you know, the corners weren't dominant, and you thought that they might have a chance to be. I actually thought the bet one of the best things in the se- in the secondary that I saw all day was the uh, run support from both Delarian Turner Yell and Patrick Fields. Yep. And um, then Isaiah coverage. Thomas proves that he is kind of the 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 catalyst for this defense. Like you talk about that second quarter, that was when Isaiah Thomas was like, "We're going to start wrecking some shit." And and he did, and they caused turnovers and turn the tide. But then again, you settle for three field goals. Off of turnovers, you can't. You that cannot happen. Yeah. Am I officially a hater if I just don't want to see any more Patrick Fields? Well, I mean, Key you Lawrence know, is your only other option. Um, that's fine. I didn't think Pat was bad on Saturday. <laughs> I didn't Pat either. Wasn't bad Saturday. He I defended. He, was okay. he had a one-on-one defense in the end zone that he knocked away. Now I, I get what Eddie's probably overall point is. You, again, you can't watch Alabama and then turn and see just a few of those guys left on Oklahoma that you're like, he would never, ever play at Alabama. And it's hard not to draw those lines. And that's that's Pat. And but I, you and have I, what again, you I think have. the world of that, I hate dude. that I'm like that. I do. I'm with you. I do, too. Accept <laughs> 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 me for the hate that I spew. <laughs> uh, yeah, it... Like I said, I there. I mean, guys, Reggie Grimes, that's a dude. That's going to be a freaking – I mean, th- every time I think, like, okay, i got a handle on all their defensive linemen, another guy pops up, and you're like, that dude can really play too. I mean, they're they're just popping out bodies. Now, I will say, I, I and I know Grinch kind of said it too in the press conference, and I, you know, I want you guys to go into that since I obviously wasn't there, but the um, – the conversation about, yeah, we're not going to run 28 guys out there or whatever the number was on defense. Like, we're not going to play that many guys against Iowa State or Texas or somebody like that. So, like, you, you get it. And I think so. some of that concern over, oh, well, you know, you got too many guys running out, I think that will handle itself. I really do. I, I well, don't, the, thing, the thing that's troubling, I, though, Josh, is like the thing that Gabe and Teddy were talking about on, on the Oklahoma Breakdown pod, guys having to get retaped because they – check so far out yeah. of the game that they thought it was over like how does that, that happen that, that can't happen that and that's can't the happen. kind of shit like you think that's ever gonna happen in tuscaloosa you think that's ever happening at clemson that's never happening down there like jaleel billingsley sat out a game and probably like i don't know lost his like a spike off his shoe and they Saban's like you didn't take this shit seriously enough these guys literally untaped and took their shoulder pads off or at least one that we saw uh and i I don't know what the situation was, but we work. do have video of somebody on on the uh, the sideline without their pads on, and you know, I haven't put it out there, but I have a good idea. I'll put it on the board. And that's why yeah. I think you know we talk about the second quarter. It was the leaders that you expect, and it was just weird that they were hell bent on playing those thirty one guys. And when you wonder, well, what if they just would have went Thomas, but Benito Winfrey in the third quarter, and they just would have wrapped this sucker up. You know? Yeah, and I mean, that was, I mean, I understand, you know, Grinch is like, well, when we needed to make a play, we made it. Barely. I mean, barely. <laughs> the, the, I mean, if, if, is it Platt or Pratt? I can't even remember. Cause Pratt, Pratt. Pratt, because Baylor had a Platt. Uh, Pratt, like, if he just happens to, you know, kind of American Ninja Warrior warrior himself, like one more step, like 
it would have been a first down, and who knows what the hell happens after that. It was kind of oh, a it, microcosm it, of the entire day. It's like Benito should have had him in the backfield, right. let him out, and they come up one yard short. Guys, Tornado have you got kind of whiffs? Have you guys gone back and watched that play? Do you feel like, and I mean, Nick Benito played a really good game. I, I'm I'm not trying to to shit on him like in the game he played, but when you watch him take that, it looks like he's more worried about the sack and not thinking about the fact that it's fourth and thirteen. If he turns up field and takes an angle, Michael Pratt doesn't get more than five yards. There's no way. But instead, he's trying to directly chase him down, worried about making the play from behind rather than, I just can't let him get 13. And it, yeah. it's that kind of stuff. Like, is that the aware? I mean, like, it's that sort of stuff that you see, time, you know, not time and time again, but you see at these random, you know, moments where man, that's, that's not the awareness you need to have. Like, you it's need like to understand the, yeah, the situation. It's like the it would have been the defensive equivalent of, like, Samaj P. Ryan taking a knee instead of scoring a touchdown. Exactly. Exactly. It's not the glory play. It's not the great play, but it wins you the game. Yeah, he still should have scored. <laughs> He's not over it, Samaj <laughs> I I actually Some agree with you, Eddie. Some of us had the over in that game. I, I, I'm not from a betting standpoint, but... When you have a clear path into the end zone, I know, and I know that's that's hurt teams in the NFL that have done that, that sure. haven't done that. So. Sure. But yeah, I mean, look, there's a lot of soul searching. We said that in the pod, the post game pod. Like, there has to be a lot of, and I don't know, Bob. Did you kind of get the feeling that 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 is going on with the defensive guys when they talk today? You would hope so. They've got the guy. I see. We're we're kind of questioning. Does the offense have those guys? You don't question that on defense. Between Benito and Thomas and Fields, either through experience or through production or through both, they've got the guys that can stand up there and be the voice and say, this stops. This is not happening on my watch ever again. We only got 14 Saturdays of this left. There's no reason to ever do what we did last week. It's crazy. I mean, Josh, I know you got a bolt, uh, so – We'll let you get. Um, I think I hear him stepping away. Even uh, no, I, I'm oh. still here. I was just I was breathing ominously into the mic. I wanted to go out in a bang, you know, really, <laughs> and go out like I begin, you know, every time. Well, I will. Uh, we'll let you go. Go be Mr. Mom. So done. And Are there any hot moms at the pickup line, Josh? <laughs> He's gone. <laughs> We'll ask him next week. We'll find out next he week. He did not want to get into your Good shenanigans. foreshadowing. Yeah. So we call tease. Bob, we talked about it on the postgame pod, but the the atmosphere within the stadium last Saturday is one of the strangest, most awkward occurrences that I have ever seen in Norman. What I want to ask you, Eddie, how bad was that heat? We, we, oh, we it was, it really was unbearable. Know. You know, it, 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 we were we were in the press box. It's it was thirty-seven, top, fourteen. It's whatever. But it's a, top, it's a there, top ten most miserable game I've ever been to, and it could be top five. It it's could be a top to five most faults. miserable game. I think huh? I'm bolting at at halftime too. Thirty-seven, oh, fourteen, and I, yeah, I think eat. I would have. I don't. I don't blame anybody that left. I I give everybody a free pass. It was just like, but even before the game, before the game started, I, I was telling Carrie, it's like, I was talking to uh, Ty Russell down on the sideline, like 20 minutes before the kickoff, and you're looking around, it's like, hmm, I don't think anybody's coming to the game today. 
It was weird. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, thinking there's trouble at? with the tickets, trying to get them in, and they're like, no, that's yeah, that. yeah. Well, you were I like, even, you were like, I, I, I DM'd you guys, and I was like, I wonder if they're having trouble out at the gates. And I, I texted my parents, and they're like, no, we had, we had no problem getting in. Uh, there just was nobody down there, and and the people that were wanted to stay in the shade, which I completely get. I think it'll be a better atmosphere this weekend, even for Western Carolina, even it though it's still supposed to be hot again. Halftime and at yeah. halftime, it, people expect to be like forty-two to seven, and they're gonna leave. And that shit, they score seven. It. They might, they might just make a mass <laughs> exodus, anyways. <laughs> it was just really weird. The whole thing was weird. The, the performance was weird. The crowd was weird. It was a it was a strange opening day, but I guess you know with everything that went into it, uh, they were just lucky to be playing. I guess. I thought there wasn't much national over reaction to it a lot of giving credit to lane as opposed to ripping on ou there's some sure. little there were digs here here and there and the rankings reflect it. it's not like they ton like I, I could have seen them fall to a seven or eight or something like that 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 didn't happen i think what they saw is 37 14 and everyone checked out stopped watching that game until it was 40 to 35 and then they saw the defense make it stand yeah it 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 almost got to that, like, if they would have gotten that first down, you probably would have had, like, social media explosion, like, oh, my God, yep. everyone turned to Oklahoma right now. Um, and then you would have been celebrated nationally as the team that, you know, um, had egg on their face. But it ended up – here's the thing, and it's it's such a cliche, but I, whenever a coach says it, it turns out to be true like 90% of the time. And and I think we all know the cliche. You might even know what I'm going to say. It's never as good as you think it is. It's never as bad as you think it is. So, like, yeah. here's how it plays out. Like, Tulane's going to play Ole Miss in two weeks. Like, what's that going to look like? Will Ole Miss just destroy them? And will their defense, who can't stop targeting people, uh, you know, shut them down? Like, that. that's something to watch, and that's something that sh- will – It'll kind of show you, like, okay, maybe this if this team doesn't play better against Western Carolina, you can you can hit the panic button. And plenty of people are doing that now. I get it. But yeah. I mean Tulane executed great and Oklahoma played pretty bad. You I gotta mean, let it play somewhere out. in the middle. You gotta let it play out. You gotta see. And like you're ta- like you're talking about, like Josh is talking about, Spencer Rattler has a huge part to play in this thing. Sure. A yeah, those huge first two part plays. To play. you, had, you had the interception by Rattler and then the one handed catch by Tulane to try to it's like oh is you better realize you're you're in a game today it's just I mean I understand the frustration that fans have because yeah you expected so much and there were so many national medias picking Oklahoma as the trendy national title pick sure uh and then you come out of that game you're like I don't know that we're even close to the level that Alabama is and I think the thing that's been said probably time and time again around the the facility is, you know, they 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 still won the game, but maybe it's a good thing that this happened. Maybe it's a good thing that they are having to look in the mirror a little bit longer this week. And you know, I I thought Riley's quote was pretty damn good about uh, it's only a lesson if you learn something. And yeah, uh, and he kind of had to stop know, I, himself, like to, yeah. to to like make that point. Like, wait a minute, I really need to make this point. Yeah, I I thought it was great. Uh, I I thought. For the first time in a long time, I walked away from Tuesday's luncheon thinking that was 
pretty worthwhile. Like that, there was a lot of really good stuff coming out of that. And I think it was, you know, part of it was probably because we got some, what I felt like were pretty honest answers that needed to be said. And it was, and I also kind of thought Lincoln was like, he wasn't pissed off. He wasn't happy. He was, he was just throwing out there the things as they are, as he sees them. He's not sugarcoating anything. Mm Mm-hmm. The things that I've been wondering are like to ha- to be successful and to get to that level of what Oklahoma wants to get to. Do they have to? And I asked you, Carrie, on Saturday. It's like, do I? Do they have to be at a point where you have somebody in the back of your mind always saying this just isn't good enough? Like, don't be happy with a five point win. And I'm not saying that they were happy to an extent, but I think that like, and even fans in some of the post game. Uh, Zoom sessions that we put up on the board. It's like, I think they want those players to come in there and not necessarily apologize for the way that they played, but be pissed off to the point of you can see them being mad about it. Well, right. And here's that was a storyline I pushed hard and it didn't, it didn't pan out. I just didn't think those answers were, were there. They were like, Lincoln's trying to tell us to enjoy the win. Winning is hard. This is not easy. It's like, man, that's not what fans want to hear right now. <laughs> well, good call. <laughs> No, I mean, it, it, you know, Alex Grinch said something to me, and it's not in the way he said it or anything, but he said, you know, he talked about scoreboard watching uh, and mm-hmm. players yep. coming out and, you know, letting down, you know, letting their guard down and, and how they can't let the scoreboard control their emotions of how they're going to come out and play. And it is, I mean, to me, that screams mentality. That screams both on offense and defense, like, you cannot be the type of team that's satisfied with being up 37-14. You just right. can't. Like that, I mean, you have to be pissed off that you only you gave up 14 points yeah. and yeah. that you got two turnovers and did nothing with them uh except that you have a great kicker that was able to boot them through. 100%. And I think that that is And does that like does that, everyone share in that? That's I think that's the question that everyone has to ask themselves. Do you the share school. in the frustrations of of the first half? Because yes, you were up thirty seven fourteen, but you really didn't do shit. That mentality is not being born overnight, and I think that that is kind of I don't know if scary is the right word, but I think that's kind of the uh, the alarming thing is that's not going to happen overnight. Yeah, so I guess the only what, option is to turn off the scoreboards inside the stadium. <laughs> and that, you know, Grinch was saying that's painful for a coach to say. That's three years straight. It's about finish. It's about finishing. It's about finishing. And yet he's like, we always have examples that show we're not finishing. Like, right. And the, again, that's what Pat Field said last week. It's all about we're going to finish this year. We understand. And there's like, well, your your one game tape says you're not, you know, doing what you're preaching. Well, and, and you know, I I'm sorry, but I just don't think the rotating is helping that much. I, I mean, that I just much. Rotating. You might get into a groove playing with people. Like, the, yeah. If if Thomas, Benito, and Winfrey are always together, like how much do they feed off each other and know the tendencies? As opposed to like, okay, now it's Benito, Roberson, and Grimes. Like, like, like that. 
I don't know if that makes any sense or if there's any logic to it. But right. That's like, like you would I feel like you get a groove with the people you play with. Like you get like Josh Ellison and uh Corey Ro- Robertson uh Roberson. I never can get that. That's another drinking game for the pod. Um you get them together all the time. Or let's say when Jordan Kelly comes back, it's Jordan Kelly and Josh Ellison. Like uh and then maybe it's LaRon Stokes uh and Corey Roberson. Um like maybe that's to me, that makes a lot more sense. And, and I think edge guys are kind of interchangeable, but when you're together so much as tackles, to me, that's almost like the offensive line. You know, they don't do wholesale changes on the offensive line. I don't know anybody that does that. They replaced Chris Murray because he had two uh, motion penalties, uh, even though Lincoln Riley came back and said he actually played a really good game except for those two motion penalties. So uh, it's because continuity and, and, and chemistry, like... Yeah, I do think all that's just so weird. Because it was it's like every one to two plays, it's not wholesale. It's like, here's one guy here, one guy there. And it's like, they're not playing with the same group of guys. If I had more time to expand on questioning Grinch, that's what I would have been trying to say, is that I feel like maybe you get a groove playing next to a certain guy and you're changing it up. Maybe you don't know him as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... You do wonder, and it goes along with you know the the you know what the questions about strength training and 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 how that is done. It's like, are they kind? Is OU kind of a victim of the analytics game a little bit? Like, you know, obviously like almost bought too much into it. Well, like they're trying to rely too much on the analytics of it all when football really is an emotional sport, a physical sport. Yeah. Uh, it's just like you know. I you see like we have uh, Space Mon. He's on our side site, and he's a big you know strength and conditioning guy. He loves everything that Benny Wiley does uh, because they're getting into the science of training. Uh, that was never what Jerry Schmidt did. Like he worked your ass off, and and I think people are questioning like, are they conditioning enough, or are they too focused on the science and the analytics of training? Uh, and like with Alex Grinch on defense, I think it's a fair question to say. Are they concerned? Like, do they have this data that says, well, if a certain player plays this many snaps a game, uh, it's proven that they'll be this much more effective. And Mm -hmm. so you're just throwing players in and out so they don't get over a snap count, or you want them to not have this many snaps in the first quarter versus sometimes, I don't know. I I guess I'm part, that's that's me being an old guy, the get off my lawn moment. Uh, But I think it's, I think it hurts more than it helps. Yeah, no defensive lineman played more than 46 snaps out of the 80 to 82 total. Now, if Winfrey Benito Thomas played 55, do they dominate in those extra five to 10 plays? So, where you're not, you know, having to just hold on at the last second? Oh, I just can't get this idea of like a bottle of th- or a, a, a bucket of throw up and like stones that are being held together by a stick as part of uh, Jerry Schmidt's uh, gym. <laughs> <laughs> like a Flintstone looking type thing. It's like even worse than average Joe's gym and dodgeball. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, I could totally see that. But I mean, I look at last year, like Isaiah Thomas was a guy that, you know, kind of helped Nick Benito realize he could play harder and do better. And he got better. And then, uh, it's not like when when uh, Ronnie Perkins came back, it's not like you saw him being ushered in and out of the game very much. Uh, mm-hmm. So 
I know it's the first game and it was hot and and maybe they made the mistake, which they haven't admitted uh, directly, but maybe it's one of the things they're talking about they made mistakes about. Maybe they made the mistakes of thinking that they were going to be able to get away with playing a ton of people because Tulane wasn't really that good. I think there's a little bit of that. And, yeah, you know, I mean, they're never going to sit there and they're, I don't think that they would ever admit something like that. It's almost like you're a victim of uh, of of your own experiment. But at the same time, you know, and, and the other thing on top of all that, too, is just the fact that, uh, you know, as fans, I think you want a instant gratification as far as, OK, everything's going to be fixed. And you're just not going to get that on Saturday. It's just not going to happen. And if it goes the other way, then you're really up a shit creek. Now, I, I could be wrong, but I thought Jamal Morris was in at 40 to 28 on the drive that made it 40 to 35. And that to me felt like just sticking to a script instead of saying we want to get Morris in, but we can't afford to do that right now. I mean, I think that could be true. The, just the way that Alex Grinch was pointing to the fact that they had the guys they wanted out there at the end of the game, like it was like it was plotted out that way. Because he, he just keeps pointing to that fact. Yeah. And and you want to say, well, why weren't they out there to play before or the series before then? Mm-hmm. Like when it was, you know, when it was 28 and they had the ball. Like you could have sh- I mean, and, and let's face it, we're arguing about something where if the offense just does their damn job, it's never an issue. <laughs> like, it, sure. But I, you know, it's just as I guess all of us, we all kind of, hyped up this defense. I mean, we're responsible. I'll, I'll say I'm definitely responsible for hyping up this defense. And it didn't look it, good. But it, it's just it's, it's disappointing in to, to a certain extent because I, it's not what I signed up for. That's not what I thought it was going to be. I want None of us back. did, yeah. None of us signed up for this. I did not sign up for angry fan base for an entire week after the season opener. It's been wild. And I think that that's the way that everybody kind of feels. And, you know, I, I think some people probably have taken it to like the extent just to be able to say that they are like, I don't think that everybody is unhappy, but, you know, to a certain extent for the expectations that we're going into this year, there's a lot of sitting around in the second half of that game saying, I've seen this story before. Yeah. I don't think I have plenty of time to figure it out. I mean, you got at least two weeks, and we'll see what Sorry. happens with West Sorry, Virginia and, and Texas. Yeah, I mean, like, Nebraska should have come in here, and I guess you, you still got to be able to play four quarters. But I do think that, like, over the next couple of weeks, you're, there's going to be certain, like, boxes that can be checked off just as far as good things that happen that, you know, it's not all for, all for not, but we'll see. It's, uh, I don't know that Western Carolina is going to satisfy everyone. It could satisfy some people, but, uh, I, if you have an offensive lull against them, then it's a bigger issue and that just can't happen for Spencer Rattler. I mean, the noise will only continue to grow from here because the standard is very high. Uh, Everyone expected him to take a, take a leap to another level, to more of a Baker level. And it hasn't happened yet. But it's sure. one game. There's still time. And the best thing for him is to go out and just have one hell of a game against West Carolina, Western Carolina, uh, and just make everyone shut up for a week until Nebraska. 
and to not have a post show up on the board that says Caleb Williams should be the starter. <laughs> Don't get benched for Western. If you get benched after Western Carolina, they got bigger problems. I don't know. I was I was a in little... real life and fake life on the message. By the way, I think everybody was shocked to see Caleb Williams come in the game and the short yardage thing. Uh, the it, DC dozer. But uh, that's your that's what you're going for. I I I'll back you. I'll back you on that. The I'll, DC dozer. He has no idea who the dozer is, though. I don't think. I know that's a sad thing, and it makes me feel extremely old and kind of depressed. Uh, well, Josh said eighteen Wheeler. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that because that wasn't oh, that what wasn't sorry, that Josh. <laughs> wasn't that what they tried to name uh, Tyrone Swoops at Texas? That name their offense because you had the Walshing machine at OSU with JW. Oh, that's right. I, I may, again, maybe that's a maybe that's a thing that we're just past now. Maybe that was a that was an aughts thing. It's kind of like I said on Saturday, though. Like the belldozer was a product of them not being able to run the ball in the red zone. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think it's a good thing if they're having to throw him out there. Well, every but, once but in a remember, while, fine, remember but Lincoln. Not every time you get inside the five, Lincoln did that with Chandler Morris in the Big 12 game, in the championship game last year. But that was more of, didn't you feel that like that's a, more of a wrinkle type thing was, than it right. is? Because it was stretched him out wide, use the speed, where Caleb is more being patient and then finding the hole and being powerful. But yeah, you saw, go, go you saw Caleb at the spring game, though. He has a gear that Spencer doesn't have around the corner, oh, he's a big, around he's the a edge. big kid, man. And that's the thing. I mean, it's, it, it's kind of becoming more and more apparent and Spencer doesn't do himself any favors because he's getting a little extra careful with uh, not wanting to get hit. Yeah, and that's how you get hurt. Yeah, I know exactly and that's how you going. get hurt. But it, it it's getting fans to realize, oh, you know, when, when he goes all out, he's got good athleticism. Not great, but good. But when he's kind of pitter-pattering around, it, the fans notice, like, oh, this dude does not have elite athleticism. Like... I, unathletic is one way to put it. There is no doubt about that. Or that one sneak at the goal line. Yeah, that was bad. And the, and the oh, that was so bad. That was so bad. Um, and the other thing is, with when you're backpedaling the entire time and throwing off your back foot, it makes people think that you're not confident. And I think that's that's something that, and I think Lincoln was asked about this, like. He has incredible arm talent. Nobody's questioning that. That's why everybody talked about him as the number one overall pick. But you can't use that as a crutch. Right. Right. And he's he started using it as a crutch a little bit. Yeah, I saw more like arrogance when you're always throwing on your back foot. Like, oh, it doesn't matter. I don't need to be perfectly with perfect my mechanics. I know people have compared him to Pat Mahomes, but he's not Pat Mahomes yet. Nope. So don't play like you're Pat Mahomes. Play like your Baker Mayfield, who has a great arm, but steps into all of his throws when he can. Was Caleb Williams the first player to ever score a touchdown on Owen Field with painted fingernails? <laughs> I thought we were you know going what? somewhere a lot different I than think that. <laughs> maybe Lane Johnson used to do that back in the day. I might be wrong. Did he? Manny did? But I thought that Lane Johnson painted his fingernails. Oh, Lane Johnson. I thought you said Manny Johnson. No. Uh, Manuel Johnson. Because uh, Lane Johnson is just know. a little off. He's a little odd character. Like like Rafe LaFriends, 
black fingernails? Yeah, is that what you're yeah, talking about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever noticed that. It might have been just like a thumb or something. But Lane never scored a touchdown either. That's true. Yeah. Mm. I think he was. What an honor. They should put that in the media guide. <laughs> do you know what kind of fingernails they were? Did I didn't I didn't do a deep dive in his Instagram to see what he's rocking lately. No, I have no idea. And how I much mean, does that I, I cost, do you think? I don't know if he's put up an update. Maybe you think we that's should, like uh, a 20 spot, 30 spot? I don't know. You got to know what the going rate is to get your fingernails like, painted. What if it's like five bucks a nail? That could be expensive. Some girl over at the Theta house is just doing them for like 20 bucks. It's possible. I don't know. Good question. Um, when we talk to him next year, we'll have to ask him. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we didn't get Mario Williams this week, and he was requested. We didn't get so. Mario or Bowman, yeah. Well, it, like, I know that we've kind of shit on a bunch of stuff that happened last week, but it is fun to see Mario Williams catch the football. He's going to be pretty exciting, I think. Yeah, and like we talked about in the postgame pod, he's just got to – he just got he has an extra gear. He just needs to use it more often. No doubt about it. But there's a reason everybody was hyping him up in practice, and you saw it, so – but I did. Uh, I did appreciate him uh, re-posting uh, Sooner Scoop HD on his Insta. It was nice to see of your touchdown shot. All right, guys. Um, uh, go ahead, Eddie. I'll, t- I'll tell you guys off air. Okay. Uh, anything else you guys want to hit on before we get out of here? I mean, Western Carolina coming up, pay per view, six o'clock. It will be Me hot. Me and Eddie will be at Jenks Union on Ooh, Friday. We haven't seen sir. this game in a while. Jaden Rowe. Rowe. Oh, you commit. Defensive back. Finally Free get man. to see him in a uniform, huh? Yes. Not yeah, because the, the time that Josh and I went up there during the spring, he was uh, being held out of practice that day. So it'll be uh, it'll be fun to see them. And as always, Jinx going to be loaded again, coming off their first loss of the season last week to Bixby. Bixby's now 139 in a row. So that's crazy. pretty good. Wow. It would it would very much appear that Bixby and uh, Choctaw are headed for a, a collision course in the 6A2 title game at some point. Now, are you guys riding up together? Yeah. Yeah. Can your stomach handle Coney Islander, Bob? He's going uh, to have to. We have. We've done it a couple of times. Okay. Okay. No, I don't put all the stuff that Eddie has on it, but yeah. <laughs> are you like going full hot sauce now, Eddie? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Still just uh, chili cheese onion. Okay, so you're going onion, okay? But I don't know, man. I, <laughs> when I went up there for the Trojan preview, I, I made a run through uh, Coney Island before because I was going to head to Bixby after to go hit both scrimmages. I don't know with it being 98 on Friday again. It's going to be hot again Friday. Yep. Oh, it's not. It a, yeah, it's it's more of a winter food than a summer food. I was I was struggling up there. Yeah, uh, out in the middle of that field. Uh, at Jinx a couple weeks ago. I don't know. I don't know if I can put my body through that again. Yeah, I, I would tell you go to Savastano's, but that's a big meal. I mean, Chicago style pizza. Yeah, I still need to get over there. They're they're down in Bixby though, right? Right. Yeah. 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 So I think the next time that I go see the Has Brothers, we are uh, definitely going to make a trip by there because I promised them that I'm going to. I'll go with you next time you do that. So. I like the, I, it's been a long time since I've had it. I need to get that again. All right. Um, that's going to do it. Uh, oh, uh, 
yeah, by the way, uh, Dead Soxy, uh, back with us, 25% off. Uh, use that promo code BOOMER. Special edition for Sooner fans is coming uh, just for OU fans. So, uh, in the meantime, it is very hot outside. You need some no-shows. Go get those suckers. They're awesome. Uh, that's going to be them all the way down into the OU Texas weekend as well. So you got plenty, you got more than a couple weeks to yes. be able to go hit up dead Soxy. Yes. Uh, that's going to do it for us. We'll be back again next week. Hopefully everyone has just chilled out a little bit and, uh, hopefully the offense is playing better and the defense comes around. Uh, and we all have a week of wedded bliss on the boards. Hopefully, uh, that's going to do it. We'll see you guys Bye-bye. again next week for another edition of the unofficial 40 podcast from soonerscoop.com.